Great to see everyone. Thank you for being here. Um, today, our, our young people and the chaperones, who are also very young, are on their way back from uh, the Grand Canyon. They did have a little bit of trouble, a little bit here, there. There was a lot of rain uh, and some, I understand, some insect issues. Uh, but I think they had a great time. I know they're going to be stopping at Brother Jedver's house in Arizona and then coming back uh, at 2, leaving there at 2. One interesting thing that they did was, since they had to leave, it was going to be a long drive, and they had to leave early. Normally, when we go on a trip like that, we, uh, we have a Sunday morning service. But they wanted to leave early, so what they did instead is they said, hey, why don't we um, either watch or listen to, to the sermon on Sunday morning? So I trust that they're all watching. I don't know what their internet you know, uh, connectivity is right now, but they're supposed to be watching right now. And uh, so welcome. We miss you guys. A lot, um, like uh, Sal said this morning, we are missing a lot of key people, which is really interesting. I just want to point that out, that as 30 young people in our church leave, a lot of responsibilities go with them as far as here in the church. And so I think it's a blessing that they're so involved. Uh, many of them are serving in our church, and so when they're gone, they're, they're, they're missed. Uh, and I'm, I'm uh, glad that, that they're growing up in our church and they're serving in our church. And when they're gone, we miss them. We need them back. And so we're praying for them in a safe return. Uh, somewhat selfishly there, but we certainly want them back. Two of my own children are there with them. And we hope that it was a blessing. So what we did too is we said, okay, well, they're going to be listening to the message this morning. And um, I figured let's, let's, Ricky asked me to write up a, a, a bit of a, a an outline for them to be able to fill out because every time they had a lesson, they had a reflection time as well. And so I figure, hey, you know what? If the young people are going to do this, why don't we do this here? Because I'm sure everybody here wants to learn. And I see some of you taking notes and on napkins and, you know, offering envelopes. I don't actually get to see that. But I see some of you taking notes. Some of you guys bring your notebooks and all that. So I figured, hey, let's give everybody an opportunity to get one of these. That way you can take it home. You can, as you're paying attention, you can fill this out. And then you have a record of what today's message is in case somebody asks you, hey, so, so you went to church, how what was it about? You're like, ah, oh, I don't remember. You just bring out your paper, you're like, oh, yeah. So it's got all the information. If you didn't get one of these on your way in, Jose has, has one, as well as if you didn't get a communion cup, uh, if you want to raise your hand for either a paper, a sheet, or a communion cup, raise your hand, and they're going to come around and, and give you one. If you don't have to fill it out right now, maybe you fill it out afterwards to see how much you retain from the message, see how much you can remember, and be able to fill out uh, whatever's missing in there. All, I think, in an effort to uh, give ourselves a better opportunity and chance to be good disciples of the Word of God, all right? That's, that's my hope. That's our prayer and our leadership, that we would help everyone here at Crosspoint be a better disciple of Jesus Christ. Whether you've been here for a week, if it's your first day here, or you've been here for all your life, um, we hope that you continue to grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so that's, and, and if this works out and you really enjoy it, let me know, because then maybe we do this every week. I don't know. Let's see, let's see what the reaction is, okay? So if you find this helpful, let me know. Drop me a text or an email. That will be if, if uh, we could put it in digital form, if you're concerned about the trees, and uh, we can do all these things. All right. Um, let me mention a couple of things. Growth groups are officially, let's see, uh, today is the last day of July, and so August we're off for growth groups, and then we will pick up, Lord willing, in September. Starting next week, August 7th, we'll have signups available. So we're gonna, you're probably going to see some commotion uh, some advertising, some encouragement for you to sign up to our growth groups, and we hope that that is helpful. I think I just got a picture. Looks like they're at the youth group is at uh, they're at Jedver's house and they're watching the uh, the message. So hello to all of our young people. So keep that in mind, growth groups. Uh, I think we have a really good turnout, but a lot of you are not in growth groups. I would highly encourage you to to uh, consider taking that step of faith for you, and for some of you, joining a growth group is a step of faith, because maybe you've never been in a growth group. Maybe it's scary to think that you're going to be hanging out with a small group of people within the church to discuss God's Word, because then you know what's going to happen. 
everybody's going to know that you don't know that much, right? Most of us feel that way, myself included. And so, but that's, that's kind of where you have to take a step of faith and trust that people are going to be respectful and they're going to want the best for you and you're going to be able to grow together. All right. So growth groups. Um, I will also mention that there's no young adult ministry tonight. We're trying to do one week on, one week off, so no young adult ministry tonight. And a very special announcement would be that, and we'll put this on, on the newsletter. I'll get in touch with LV, but on the 14th of August, we want to have baptisms. We want to offer people the opportunity to be baptized if you have not been baptized. If you want to declare publicly your commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ, if you know that he's done a work in your life, he says, go on into the world, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them. So baptism is something that the Lord left for the church to continue doing. And for us, we believe it's a, a, a taking a step of faith, a step of commitment towards the Lord and saying, Lord, you deserve my all, and I want to dedicate my life to you. I commit my life to following you, and I want to declare that publicly. And so we encourage you to uh, be baptized if you know that God has done a work in your life. It is representative of what he has done in us. Uh, I believe in a very symbolic way as we are immersed into the water. We are identifying with our Lord's death, burial, and as you get pulled out of that water, you're identifying with his resurrection, and we are a new creature in Christ. Um, so August 14th. You could actually get baptized anytime and anywhere, uh, but just for practical purposes, we'll have the water ready on the 14th. If you have any questions, talk to your growth group leaders, talk to myself, reach out to me. Let's have a conversation. If you're thinking, like, I've never been baptized, and I know this is something that the Lord wants me to do, and I just kind of been putting off. I don't have a very good reason. Oh, I would highly encourage you to reconsider and just taking that step of faith and, and declaring your faith in Christ publicly. Talk to me about that. <clears throat> I believe that's it for, for announcements. I want to take communion with you. And... Um, I believe last week I asked the question, you know, what if this was the last day? What if you were to die today, right? Sobering question. Well, I want to ask you another question today, and that is, if you were to find yourself in front of God, and he asked you, why should I let you in? Implication, why should I let you into heaven, to my home, God would say. What would you say? If, you, if there you were, standing in front and given that we're, we wouldn't, we're already got up from the floor and worship and fear, and, and God would say, why should I let you in? What would you say? I don't know that any of us would say anything, kind of like that song I can only imagine. But let's say that we were able to respond to a question like that. What would you say? I like to think that I would say definitely not because I deserve to be let in. I would hope something like that would come out of my mouth and just say, let's, let's, let's put the cards on the table and say, it's, you should not let me in because I think I deserve to be let in because I don't. I know I don't deserve to be let in. And I think the only thing that we would be able to say with empty hands is something like, the only reason why you should let me in is because of what your son, my Lord Jesus, did for me at the cross of Calvary. He took my place. He died for me. He bled to death as a payment for my sin. And he offered me forgiveness. And he promised me eternal life. It was his righteousness that was bestowed upon me as he took my sin away. And so why should you let me in? Not because I deserve to, not because I earned it, but because of your own grace and through what Jesus Christ did for me at the cross. Jesus said, I am the only way, the only truth, and the only life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. And so I don't think that scenario would happen. That's just a very hypothetical. But I think it's a question that should get us thinking and, and for us to really be certain about 
where it is that we're putting our faith. And our faith should not be in ourselves. Our faith should not be in our church. Our faith should not be in our works. Our faith should not be in our intellect or our accomplishments. Our faith should be only on Jesus Christ, our Lord, and what he did for us at the cross. And so when we take communion, well, let me share a verse with you, Romans 3.20. Romans 3.20. The Apostle Paul speaks of that. He says, Therefore, by the, deeds, by the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. By the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified. Anybody who thinks that they are justified or made right in the sight of God by anything that they did or accomplished is going against what Scripture teaches. Paul very clearly here and in other places and other Bible writers speak of the same thing, that by the deeds of the law, by works, no one will be justified. And it doesn't matter how impressive your credentials are or how impressive your deeds are. Even if you, even if we were to gauge everyone's good deeds and you were number one in all of human history, of I don't know how many people have lived, but let's say 12 billion people, and you were happened to be number one, you even beat Mother Teresa, and you were number one in deeds, even you would not be justified by your works. So as you peel back this layer, we are reminded of God's love and grace towards us, and that our Lord Jesus Christ gave up his sinless body as a sacrifice for our sin. And this bread is representative of that. We remember that and we proclaim it. Let's take that together. As you peel back the second layer, you see the juice and it represents the precious blood of our Lord Jesus Christ that was shed on our behalf on the cross of Calvary. For our sins. Let's take that together. And let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're so grateful to you for your blessings that we would be able to gather as your family to be reminded of your goodness and your grace, to be encouraged to focus on your love towards us through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, specifically in what he did for us at the cross of Calvary. We could only thank you. Thank you for giving us this this understanding through your word and through your Holy Spirit that the message of the cross is not foolishness, but that it reveals your wisdom and your love towards us. We are forever grateful. Thank you for my brothers and sisters who are here, for those watching online. Um, We just pray for your blessing. As we get into your word for these next 30 minutes or so, we pray, Holy Spirit, that you would teach us, that you would guide us, that you would help us to pay attention, that you would help us to receive your word, and that we would be committed to being doers of it. We thank you. We ask you this in the wonderful and mighty name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Amen. All right, beloved. So this morning what we want to do is uh, we want to spend some time here in Luke chapter 8. I believe this is uh, the fourth message on Luke 8, and we have at least two more Uh, I mentioned last week, I believe, that as we're wrapping up chapter 8, the last three messages, starting with today's, uh, Luke is giving us three stories, three occurrences where the Lord Jesus Christ is demonstrating his power and his lordship over three very important things. Today we're going to talk about and see the Lord demonstrating his lordship and his power over nature itself. And after all, he is the one that created it, and it, it is subject to him. And then next week, we're going to be looking at uh, the next two weeks, his lordship and his power over the demonic realm and over disease as well. And, and all of that, as you're reading at home, and you read this last half of chapter 8 of Luke, you know, be in prayer. And as you're studying and you're reading, you know, 
what is, what is Luke conveying to Theophilus, and what is the Holy Spirit teaching you about the power of the Lord, and what are the implications then for our daily lives and the struggles that we go through and the successes that we have? So super interesting. We're not just reading stories, even though that's what they are, but they're historical. These are things that occurred. But always understanding that the, the Word of God is living and powerful and able not just to instruct us, but to transform us and to renew our mind so that when you come and listen to a message like the one we're going to listen to today and, and, and spend time in, that our minds will be renewed, that as we leave here, we're no longer thinking the same way. We're no longer approaching the same situations in the same manner, but that there is a change in us by the power of God. And I think that's, that's, I mean, that's just super exciting. So today we're going to look at, at uh, our Lord Jesus' lordship over nature. The title of this morning's message, if you have a sheet in front of you, it's, it's all there. And there's just some words missing for you to kind of fill in either now or later. But the title of this morning's message is, Where is your faith? Where is your faith? And I take that directly from this portion that we're going to read in Luke chapter 8, verses 22 through 25. The main point is this. God is glorified when his children grow in faith toward him. God is glorified when we, God's children, grow in faith toward him. Now, I think we, it, we need to realize that none of us have perfect faith. I don't even know what that would mean. And if you read Scripture and you're honest with yourself, you would realize that none of us actually even have a whole lot of faith. That's my perspective. If you think you have, like, lots of faith, that's, that's fine. That's, that's you. When I read Scripture and I see the disciples, the apostles, just everybody, most of the time, Religious leaders had no faith. They had faith in themselves. The apostles many times were rebuked for their lack of faith or their little faith, as we're going to see in this portion. And every once in a while, though, and we're going to see this in this chapter, every once in a while, somebody would express great faith, as we've had a couple messages already in the past, and we're going to have some more going forward in Luke. And that's exciting. It's exciting. So just to realize that none of us have perfect faith, that maybe none of us really have a whole lot of faith, or maybe we don't have as much faith as we would like to think, regardless of where you're at, we want to grow in faith. Because as we grow in faith, we grow in dependence on God. And when, when we grow in dependence on God and trust in God, He's glorified. Because then when we go through difficulties and trials and even tragedies, and we're able to depend on God and be trusting in God and expressing that, people are amazed by that. They'll say, like, how can, you, how can you be okay with this? And it's not that I'm okay. It's just that God is strengthening me, and he's glorified through that, through your testimony and through your life. You know, why aren't you falling apart? Well, at some levels I probably am, but I know that God is in his throne. He's taking care of me. And when you say things like that, you mean it, and people see that, God is glorified. Credit is being given to God. Like he's worthy of your trust. And so as we grow in faith, God is glorified. And so what I want to do this morning is talk about our faith grows when we realize that and take three points from this portion. So let me go ahead and read. Let me go ahead and read um, Luke chapter 8, verses 22 to 25. And I made a little note here. I don't know if you caught that second song that, that, uh, that we sang. And one of the words there, I wrote it on my notes here, says, For the God of the mountain is the God of the valley. So important. I don't know if you realize the stuff that we, we sing are great. And we're declaring that, God, when we're experiencing a mountaintop experience, you're the God of that mountaintop. But you're also the God of the valley. And so when we're, when we're way down in the valley and struggling, he's still the same God. And that's important. I think at, at some level, if you've been at church long enough, at some level we, we know that and we kind of believe that. But when we go through difficulties, it's hard to maintain that perspective. And so hopefully messages like this will help us grow in our faith. So 
Luke chapter 8, verses 22 through 25 says... This is a great story. It says, Now it happened on a certain day that he, Jesus, got into a boat with his disciples, and he said to them, Let us cross over to the other side of the lake. And they launched out. But as they sailed, he fell asleep. And a windstorm came down on the lake, and they were filling with water and were in jeopardy. And they came to him and awoke him, saying, Master, Master, we are perishing. Then he arose, and he rebuked the wind and the raging of the water, and they ceased, and there was calm. But he said to them, Where is your faith? And they were afraid and marveled, saying to one another, Who can this be? For he commands even the winds and the water, and they obey him. Isn't that amazing? Now, my guess is that most of us have heard this story, right? Many times. I think I was probably, I'm sure, less than 10 years old, maybe even less than 5 years old growing up in church, and, and this story came up. And we were taught this story. And the more you read it, the more you learn, the more you appreciate. You know, as I was reading this this week, I was... Uh, just kind of trying to reflect on, like, what, what, what would that have looked like? For the Lord and his disciples on a boat, I believe it was a Sea of Galilee, and then all of a sudden this windstorm, hurricane-type stuff, and big waves. Many of these disciples of his, like Peter and John, they were fishermen. They knew what they were doing. They knew how to handle a boat. They knew how to handle waves and water. But it says that, the, that water was coming into the boat to, boat to the point where they were in jeopardy. They were in danger of drowning and just going down like the Titanic. And so they fear. And the reaction, I was thinking, like, why would the Lord tell them, where's your faith? Like, what did they do wrong? I mean, the waves were crashing in. And they were in jeopardy. And so why would the Lord rebuke them? They go to the Lord who was asleep. I think that speaks of his humanity. I don't know about you guys, but uh, I don't know if you get seasick. The Lord is in this boat. No doubt this boat is going up and down. And the Lord is fast asleep. Maybe speaking of how tired he was after ministering for so long and so much. But he's asleep. Or maybe he speaks of the fact that, you know, nothing troubles him. And they come and they wake him up. So they're going through this difficulty, and they come and they wake him up, and they say to him, Master, Master, we are perishing. We're about to die. And, you know, this is for you to think about. Like, why would he tell them, where is your faith? Because they thought they were going to die? Or is it because they come and instead of saying, Lord, Look at these crazy waves. Can you do something about it, please? I think their reaction was they're panicking and we're about to die, Master. Like, the Lord would have been like, relax. I'm pretty sure we're not going to die. You know, I'm right here. But think about that. And I'm kind of jumping into some of the application here. But think about how you react during your difficult situations. During your times of trouble, during your times of tragedy. And beloved, I hope that you never feel like when I throw words out like tragedies that I'm being, I hope I don't sound cavalier or insensitive because I'm very well aware, I think most, more than probably all of you, about the situations in our congregation. I get to hear about people's difficulties. I get to hear about people's tragedies. And many times I get to walk alongside with them, and I see the pain and the hurt. And so I, I, I don't want to sound naive or for you to ever feel like, yeah, well, Mike, you know, his life is perfect, of course, so he doesn't. Wrong. Nobody's is. And some of you and some of us have gone through very, very, very difficult things. And some of you are going through those difficult things. And that's part of life. 
even as Christians, and sometimes we don't have control over many of these things, but how do you react towards these things? I think that's part of what we can learn here today. So the disciples have the Lord on the boat. He's asleep. He's not panicking. And they come to him, and they say, not help us. They don't say, Lord, we're scared. Would you, you know, we know we're ridiculous, but can you please, you know, help us out here? Can you just do your thing? Can you say the word? We've already seen you in action. No. Master, we're perishing. And I would, I would uh, dare say that most of us react that way when we're going through difficulties. We don't, we don't see the possibility of God intervening and with the power of his word being able to fix anything and everything. We're going to talk about that. But just consider, what is your reaction when you go through difficult times? And understanding that it's normal, our nature, our human nature, to panic, to stress, to fear, to think the worst. I think that's part of what was happening with the disciples, and I think that's, that was at least part of the Lord's rebuke. Like, where's your faith? How could you think that? What, doesn't even make sense. We're not going to drown. But then again, sometimes when we panic and we're in fear, we don't think rationally either. So, our faith grows is what we want to talk about this morning. Our faith grows when we realize that. The last thing I'll say is here is that I was thinking about, can you imagine this large body of water? I know you guys don't waste your time like watching videos on, you know, Instagram or things like that. You probably do. And every once in a while I'll get this, 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 uh, these vid random videos of ships in the middle of the ocean that are in trouble. And there's like 50-foot waves. You've seen those things? And the big cargo ships are... They look like little toys out in the water. The power, the energy that, that is moving those waves and those billions of tons of water around is amazing. It's scary. You've seen, you've seen videos of uh, cruise ships, huge, being tossed around like nothing in the water. And can you imagine, can you just try to imagine Somebody in one of those situations just getting up and rebuking the wind and the wind and the water just still? That would scare any and every one of us. If you've been in a swimming pool and your kids start swirling around and all of a sudden all this water is moving you around, try stopping it. You know how much power it requires to stop that kind of energy in the water? And for the Lord just to rebuke it, to rebuke the wind and the water, these basic elements of nature, and for them to obey him perfectly and instantly, it's amazing. I was thinking about that. It's scary. It's amazing. All right. Just food for thought. Our faith grows when we realize that. We want our faith to grow. I think if I would have been on the boat, I would have been just like the other disciples. Lord, we're perishing. And he would have told me, Mike, where's your faith? I don't know, Lord. So I think we should all be interested in, in growing our faith because as our faith grows, we, we glorify God. So point number one, our faith grows when we realize that. Point number one, that God sometimes directs us towards storms. That's a scary thought. Whose idea was it to get on the boat and go on the other side? Luke 8, 22, in case you didn't catch it. Now it happened on a certain day that he, Jesus, got into a boat with his disciples, and he said to them, let us cross over to the other side of the lake. It was the Lord's idea. Yeah, but he didn't know that the big wind was in the forecast. Of course he knew. He knew exactly what he was doing. And yet he directs his disciples to get on that boat and to go to the other side at that time. He could have very easily said, hey, boys, well, you know what? We do need to get to this side, but there's going to be a big storm in the next couple hours, so why don't we just chill out right here, and then after the storm, we'll go. No, that would have been really easy, and we wouldn't be having this sermon this morning. 
But he says, let's get on that boat. Let's go to the other side. I am directing us into the storm. Now, I don't know if that scares you, but that tells us that God sometimes directs us towards the storms. The storms of life, obviously. And this is deep. This could be very difficult for us. There are some times that because none of us like to go through storms, difficulties in life. None of us do. And yet, we're promised difficulties. We know things are going to be hard. And to know that sometimes God directs us towards the storms is something that, if we understand and accept, our faith can grow. Because when you find yourself in a storm, and I don't know how this works, beloved, because sometimes there's things, storms that we create for ourselves. And that we want to blame God for it. But I'm talking about the times where it's like, how did that happen? Like, that's, I didn't, that wasn't me. You know, the the disciples didn't get a, a, if if the disciples would have seen the uh, forecast, you know, big winds, definitely don't get in the lake. And then they still get in the lake without the Lord telling them. Then they kind of asked for it. But in this case, they were just following the Lord. And then they found themselves in the middle of a storm. And so it wasn't, it wasn't their doing. It wasn't their doing. So keep that in mind. Our faith grows when we realize that sometimes God directs us towards storms. Psalms 23 came to mind. I don't normally look at Psalms 23 for this reason, but if you pay attention to Psalms 23, verse 4, it says, well, the whole Psalms, all right? Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, and I shall not want. So if the Lord is the shepherd... He's the one leading. And so David begins his Psalms 23 by talking about the fact that the Lord is the shepherd. He is the one leading. And he's going to take care of me, and he's going to take me beside still waters. Everything's going to be good. But then he says, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Wait, if the Lord is leading you and he's a shepherd, what are you doing in the valley of the shadow of death? The implication would be that the shepherd took you there. And if the shepherd took you, there's probably a good reason. Whether he wants to take you somewhere where you have to go through this valley of the shadow of death. You know what I mean? I've never, I've never, I've, I've used Psalms 23 many times. I've never used it this way to let us know that it is the shepherd who's leading. And while the shepherd is leading, we may still find ourselves in the valley of the shadow of death. Because he led us there. And that's, that's, you know, if you don't feel comfortable with me putting too much into that, that's perfectly consistent with the rest of Scripture, that God will sometimes put us in situations to test our faith. And some of these situations are not pleasant. So, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, then he says, I will fear no evil, because even though I'm there, the Lord is with me. So you might be thinking as a sheep following a shepherd, like, why are we going through the valley of the shadow of death? Well, you trust your shepherd, and if you're following your shepherd, he knows what he's doing, and he's responsible for you. And if he takes you through there, it's because he believes it's the right thing to do. And you don't have to fear because your shepherd is with you, and he's going to take care of you and protect you. I'll share one more verse with you that talks about The fact that our faith grows when we realize that God sometimes directs us to or toward the storms. Job 23.10. Job says, but he knows the way that I take. When he has tested me, I shall come forth as gold. God knows where I go. And he goes, and we have, once he has tested me, I shall be refined as gold. Job understood that. And if you know the story of Job, you understand the hardship, incredible hardship that God put Job through or he allowed Job to go through. And Job is able to say, the Lord tested me, and through that testing, I can be refined as gold. Now, why do we want to be refined as gold? Because that's what brings glory to God. We are Christ's possessions. And as he tests us, and not only directs us through this um, storm, 
Point number two, our faith, when we realize, our faith grows when we realize that not only does God sometimes direct us toward the storms, but point number two, we have to realize that Jesus is always able to deliver us from the storm. So if he took us there, he's able to deliver us from that. And if he's testing our faith, he will give us the way out. And just so you know, he is the way out. Like He is the actual answer. So Jesus is always able to deliver us from storms, just as he did here in Luke 8, 24. And they came to him, awoke him, saying, Master, Master, we're perishing. Then Jesus arose, and he rebuked the wind and the raging water, and they ceased. And there was a calm. And just like that, literally with the power of his word, this crisis became a calm, peaceful situation. Instantly, Jesus is always able to deliver us from storms. And we shouldn't doubt that. And we shouldn't ever allow the enemy to say like, yeah, he can do that. Well, he did that for them, but I don't know. Can he really do that for you? Do you really think that this is God's will for your life? Do you really think he loves you and allowing you to go through this valley of the shadow of death? Beloved, that's the enemy talking to you. And we, we saw that, how the enemy comes and wants to take God's word from your heart. You have to be careful. We are in a continual, perpetual, as long as we're here in this earth, spiritual war. And the enemy doesn't take any breaks. And very much the system of this world is rigged against us. And the minute we kick back and think like, oh, you know what, I've been in church for 30 years. I should be okay. Wrong. I don't need to be in a growth group. Who needs accountability? I already know the Bible inside and out. Boy, you're falling right into the hands of the enemy. I'll tell you that as a preacher here, as your pastor. Don't get comfortable. Don't assume. Stay with it. Continue to train as a good soldier and prepare because we are always in spiritual battle. Not just for you, for your spouse and your parents and your kids. Not only are you in spiritual battle, but I'll tell you right now, if the enemy can't get to you, he's going to go after your kids and after your loved ones. We don't have time we, we literally don't have time to relax and assume and think, oh, you know what? Things are good right now. <sighs> Jesus is always able to deliver us from storms. But the fact also is that he doesn't always. He doesn't always. And at the very least, he doesn't deliver you from the storms the way you want to or the way you pray he would. He will take care of every problem of yours. And at the cross, he already did. But sometimes, obviously, we would like for the Lord to perform a little bit faster. You know, can you just fix it right now? And you have plenty of Bible stories and examples like Job, like Paul, that three times begged the Lord to take away this thorn in the flesh, and the Lord said, no. My grace be sufficient. And then Paul admits, if not for this thorn in the flesh, I probably have a bigger head than I have right now. So God uses that to keep us humble. Beloved, God's ways are always higher than our ways. His thoughts and plans are always higher than ours. Not a little bit, a lot. And so that's why we need faith, because there's going to be a lot of things that you're not going to be able to understand and figure out and have under control. But if you trust that God is in control and that not only does he sometimes direct us towards the storms, but he's always able to deliver us from storms, our faith is going to grow. I love Daniel's friends when they were about to be thrown into the furnace. They tell King Nebuchadnezzar, you know what? Do what you got to do. We're not going to bow down to your statue. I'm not going to worship no idol. We trust in the living God who is more than able to deliver us from this furnace. But if he doesn't, we're still going to worship him. 
That's an awesome attitude to have. Yeah, God can deliver me from this storm. God can deliver me from this illness, from this pain, from this hurt. But if he doesn't, I'm still going to worship him. <sighs> Psalms 34, 4. The psalmist says, I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. Psalms 34, 17 says, The righteous cry out and the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. We grow in faith when we realize that Jesus is always able to deliver us from storms. There is nothing difficult for him. But why certain things happen, we don't know. But he's still in control. And it's not about you, it's about him. So we got two points. Our faith grows when we realize that God sometimes directs us toward the storms. Our faith grows when we realize that Jesus is always able to deliver us from storms. And point number three, our faith grows when we realize that it is through storms that God demonstrates his power. What was the reaction of the people that were there that saw this, that witnessed this? He said to them, where's your faith? And they were afraid. They were afraid. And I wonder if they were more afraid of the wind and the waves when they thought they were perishing, or if they were more afraid when they saw Jesus, by the power of his word, just calm everything instantly. The wind and the water obeyed him. And they said to one another, who can this be? For he commands even the winds and the water, and they obey him. The wind and the water obey the word of the Lord, but we don't. There's a really great song that says, uh, So Will I. I thought that's what we're, it's called So Will I. Uh, I won't tell you who sings it. And it says, it says something like, if the, if, the cry, if the rocks cry out in silence, so will I. If the wind and the water obey God's word, our attitude should be, so will I. So will I. And yet God gives us this freedom that is incredible. God is patient and loving and humble that when he tells us things, we say, no, nah, Lord, not right now. The wind and the water calm instantly. They obey him. Christians at Crosspoint, sometimes, so-so. Oh, that we would have the same attitude that the wind and the waves had. The Lord says it. We do it. I hope we're moving towards that. John 16, 33 says, The things that I have spoken to you, these things I have spoken to you, the Lord said, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have already overcome the world. You know, sometimes we get like, oh, this world is falling apart. It's getting more evil. And in many ways it is. You know, like this world, well, this world is going to fall apart. It already is. And we are going to have tribulation. But he says, be of good cheer. I have already overcome the world. Isaiah 43, 19, talking about it is through storms that God demonstrates his power. Isaiah 43, 19 says, behold, God says, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? He says, I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. I love that. When you can't find a way through the wilderness, he says, I will make a road. I mean, how many times have you felt in your life, like, I don't know which direction to go. I don't know what's going on. I don't know where left is right, up is down, like I'm lost. God says, I can make, I will make a road in the middle of the, of the wilderness for you to walk on and then he says and rivers in the desert rivers in the desert yeah the implication is when you're traveling the desert maybe lost and you're about to die of thirst because there's no water he says 
I can make a river in the desert. There isn't anything that he can't do. Beloved, serious implications of this. Any aspect in your life where you feel like it's over, you're done, God couldn't, I don't think God cares, I don't think I can do something here, you're wrong. You're listening to the wrong voice, to the enemy, because God can do anything, and there isn't anything not just too difficult. There's nothing difficult for God. But sometimes he does put us and directs us towards the storm, but he's with us. He's always able to deliver us from the storms. He's got unlimited power. But we have to realize that it is through the storms, through the difficulties, through the valleys of the shadow of death that he is best able to demonstrate his power. When the nation of Israel was delivered out of Egypt and now they're in front of the Red Sea and Egypt's army behind them, Right when there's nothing for them to do physically and it's over, God says, all right, these are the types of situations that bring me glory as I come through. And he parts the water so that the two million or so Israelites can walk through the Red Sea in dry ground so that nobody could say, wow, maybe it was Moses' charisma Oh, I think it was our worship. Oh, maybe our prayer did it. It's like, no, God would say, I did that for my glory, to show you my power so that you can be in all of me, so that you can marvel at who I am. I had a couple of questions here for us to consider One was, how do you come to the Lord during difficulties? Do you come in faith or do you come in panic? And then the other question I want to finish here with is, how well do you think you know God? And do you marvel at Him? See, when you read read what we read, you kind of think like maybe it wasn't the the 12 disciples or apostles that were with him. Maybe it was like brand new disciples that that he just picked up on the other side of the lake. And they're like, who is this guy? No, I think it was them. It was the Peters and the gang that were asking themselves, who is this? The Lord, through this difficulty, through the storm, demonstrated a different category and level of his power and mastery over nature itself to the point where his disciples that had seen other things are thinking like, whoa, we thought we knew him. He's done some pretty cool things, but man, rebuking the wind and the water and the wind and the water just instantly obeying him. Who is this? I hope I hope you've experienced, and I hope that you continue right now to experience this with the Lord. That in your walk with Him, in your closeness with Him, you are constantly being revealed a higher power or revelation of His power. God is God. He's not growing in power. He's not getting any wiser. He's always been. It is our limited understanding of Him that allows us the opportunity for the rest of our lives to continue to grow in knowledge of Him. And that's why I say it doesn't matter if you've been here like myself all my life in church and reading Scripture and hearing and studying and listening, I am continually, continually in awe of God, marveled at what He's able to do, what He does, what He wants to do in my life and in my life of our congregation and in this world and in this universe, to be in, just to marvel at him, to have a deeper understanding of who he is, of his love, of his power, of his grace. Don't act like you have all these things figured out. You don't. You don't understand God's love, God's grace, God's power. You don't. And 20 years from now, we're still here. You're going to know a lot more, Lord willing, and you're still not going to be close to figuring out God's power, God's love, God's grace, God's patience, God's humility, and everything else that he is. And I love that. Because as I live my life and I exercise the little bit of faith that I have, I grow in faith for his glory. 
And I'm able to do things that I wouldn't have done years before as I make decisions. I'm talking about very practical things here. And I'm talking about how I love my wife, how I treat my children, how I treat my fellow brothers and sisters here at Crosspoint. I see the growth, and I'm grateful for that. And I give God the glory. I want us to experience that. But sometimes it happens through storms, beloved. And I believe that's why God has us here as a family. That's why we encourage you to get into growth groups. Because when you go through the life storms, you need somebody to talk to. You need somebody to kind of hold you up. You need somebody to kind of share their faith and, and pour into your life. You don't have to do it alone. Stop struggling. Give in already. Surrender. Dive in to a deep, meaningful, joyous, peaceful, exciting relationship with the creator of the universe who even the wind and the water obey. Let's pray. Gracious Father, thank you so much for this story. Thank you for your word, Holy Spirit, for your guidance, for your help, for your illumination that we would understand these things, that we will be able to see something that happened 2,000 years ago and see the application in our daily lives. Lord Jesus, as you display your power then and you still do it now, we worship you and we glorify your name. And Father, offer your glory. Thank you for what you've done in our lives, what you continue to do, what you've promised to do in us and through us. Forgive us for our sins and trespasses, for our lack of faith. We want to be more like your son, our Lord Jesus, for your honor and glory. We need you. We thank you, and we pray that you would dismiss us with your blessing. We ask this in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. God bless you, beloved. You are dismissed.